0: Hey there, Agile Firecrackers, and welcome to another episode of Agile Bytes, the podcast put on by Integrity Inspired Solutions, where we build software in an Agile manner, day in and day out. Today, I'd like to talk about an issue that was kind of a hot button issue on LinkedIn there for a little bit. And I think it's worth unpacking and exploring a little bit. And the basic issue is do Scrum Masters and probably by extension, Agile coaches in general, but I'm going to Stick to Scrum Masters mostly for the duration of this podcast. But everywhere I say Scrum Masters, you can slide in Agile coaches or or Agile leadership of some kind. Do Scrum Masters need to be technical in order to be effective? Or the converse, can you be an effective Scrum Master without any kind of technical knowledge or technical background? And as this debate unfolded, and there were very, very strong feelings on all sides of this issue, myself included. Things kind of fell into two and a half views. So one view, if, if the question is, do you need a technical background in order to be an effective Scrum Master? One camp was, yes, you do need to have a technical background in order to be an effective Scrum Master, at least if you're doing Scrum for software. Now, obviously, you could be doing Scrum for other things that are not technical, and then obviously having a technical background wouldn't necessarily help that much. But one camp felt like, yes, if you're going to be an effective scrum master, you do need to have a technical background to some degree, some technical knowledge to some degree. Often this camp was represented by scrum masters and agile coaches who had a technical background, unsurprisingly. Then, of course, the other camp, as you might predict, would be people who thought, no, you can be an effective scrum master without technical knowledge. You know, scrum masters focus on doing scrum well. They focus on interpersonal skills. There's a fair amount of people who believe that scrum masters should never be directive ever, should only ever ask questions. And so if all you're doing is asking provoking questions, then, you know, you don't need any domain knowledge in particular to do that. And so they felt, no, you, you can be a, a pretty good scrum master without having any technical knowledge or background at all unsurprisingly the bulk of the people who held this view are scrum masters and agile coaches who do not have technical knowledge or technical background you can probably see where this is going then there was this little fringe that i thought was interesting and worthy of mention as well i'm going to call them the no plus view or the super no group this group not only thought that you didn't need technical knowledge to be an effective scrum master they actually thought technical knowledge might ruin a good scrum master, that it was actually problematic if the scrum master had a technical background or technical knowledge, because they felt like this might motivate the scrum master to speak into areas where that weren't their jobs, wasn't their responsibility. Maybe they're starting to micromanage a little bit or, or get too deeply into the weeds. Now they're having highly technical conversations with their team about what they should be doing technically. And this is a liability in their eyes. And so if you're a scrum master, you should avoid accidentally picking up any technical knowledge, actually, because it can be a liability. It's a risk if you have it. Interestingly, this group was almost exclusively composed of people whose job it is to coach other scrum masters into getting jobs. I don't know what you call that. They're not recruiters exactly, but they're basically people who make their money by going to people who want to become scrum masters and they help coach them into getting scrum master jobs. So their money comes from trying to get as many people as possible into scrum master jobs. I will let you do with that what you will. They were the group that by far and away came out the strongest. No, not only can you be a good scrum master without technical knowledge? It's actually potentially dangerous. It's, it's, it's a liability. And this is an interesting discussion. And certainly nuanced things came up in this discussion. Obviously, uh, different contexts, different experiences were relevant. Is a good discussion. But it reminded me a lot, and I may be dating myself here somewhat, you know, back in the 90s and late 80s, there was this trend in management. Where it used to be that managers were hired out of the jobs themselves. So, you know, if you were an auto mechanic and you worked with other auto mechanics, managers came from that pool of people. Like, you were a good auto mechanic, you knew the job pretty well, you knew the people, and then eventually you became a manager. And this is where most managers came from. You used to do the job, and then you got promoted to management. Now, are there drawbacks to this approach? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes if you used to be really good at the job, it's really hard for you to delegate. You kind of want to jump in and fix everything. This is people's fears with the scrum master and the technical knowledge, right? If you came from the ranks, you might be really good at the job, but you might not be so good with people, which is now where your expertise needs to focus. Or maybe all these people are your friends because you used to be their peer and now you are their manager. And there are potential issues that come with that. So there were certainly potential drawbacks that that came from that model. But at least you had a pretty high degree of confidence that whatever manager you had, whatever you thought about them, at least at one point they were good at something. Like they used to be pretty good at your job and probably knew the job pretty well, at least at one point or another. So with all those potential liabilities, there was a movement away from that into something that I'm going to call management skills. And the idea was that you could basically teach someone how to be a good manager with management skills, people skills, leadership skills, management skills. And then if someone were trained to be a good manager, you could then, in theory, drop them on top of any discipline and they should be great managers, right? So if you train someone to be a good manager, They should be able to manage a team of auto mechanics, and they should be able to manage uh, a dairy plant, and they should be able to manage a group of software developers, and they should be able to manage a group of accountants. Like the same person should be able to do all those things equally well because they had management skills. And this sounds like a great remedy, but the problem is now you have people managing other groups of people who really have little or no idea about the work this group is trying to do. So how do you effectively manage a group when you have no point of reference for what your group is actually doing? Yeah, you might be inspiring, you might be a good leader, you might have good people skills, but you don't understand the job. So what value are you providing to these people, actually? You're you're avoiding the pitfalls of the old model, but you've introduced a completely new set of pitfalls. And the people who work under managers like this, tend to resent it. There were a lot of frustrations that came up during this time period because let's say you've got a team of software developers and you say, okay, now Kathy is your manager. And Kathy has no concept, no point of reference as to what software development entails, the problems you run into, the various issues, doesn't know when you give estimates what all the risks that are involved with those estimates and things like that. It's extremely frustrating for competent professionals to be managed by somebody who doesn't understand their job at all and who is coming at that task of management from a standpoint of not understanding what your life is like, not understanding what goes on in your world. That whole experiment turned out to be kind of a disaster, really. And so we went from one extreme to the other. Now, both of those kind of represent extremes in certain cases. And liabilities tied to those extremes in certain cases. But I think as we look at what we've learned from those two trends, I think what we have learned is, A, being really good at a job does not make you a good manager of that job. And I would say that in the same vein, it doesn't make you a good coach in that job necessarily either. However, we also learned that if you have no point of reference, then you're really going to struggle, and your whole dynamic with your team is going to struggle. You won't even understand the things that they're saying to you, and the value that you're going to provide them is very generic, very high level. You could probably be replaced by well-intentioned note cards in terms of the value you're actually providing that team. And so the answer is somewhere in between, right? We want people who are our coaches and our leaders, and make no mistake, the Scrum Master Accountability is a leader accountability it's not an observer accountability it's not a bystander accountability it's it's a leadership position it's a senior level probably position but if you're going to be in a position like that yeah there are potential drawbacks to you trying to take the job over of the people that you're trying to coach but at the same time if you have no point of reference for what that team is going through and the issues involved in doing their job, you're gonna have a hard time coaching that team. And we can think of all kinds of situations where if you applied the same logic, it would just be ridiculous. I mean, imagine having a pilot who knew nothing about how airplanes worked. Or imagine having a CEO who knew nothing about the industry that they were supposed to be a CEO over. Or, you know, imagine a software developer not having any skills related to things that were not coding. right? Imagine a software developer who didn't know anything about testing or about requirements, even though that's not the strictest focus of their job compared to some of the other roles you might have on your team. So I want to come out of the gates by saying the people in that very strong no group, that no plus group, the those people who are trying to get scrum masters into jobs who came right out and said having tech knowledge is a liability. To me, that is the one view that is clearly wrong. Ignorance is not better than knowledge. Yes, you can misuse knowledge, but that's not a reason to promote ignorance as a virtue. Having more knowledge is always better than having more ignorance. And again, if you tried to apply that logic to other professions, you would see the problem here right away. So imagine I am hiring a pilot, and I've got one pilot over here. They spent some time on the line being a mechanic. They know how to build planes. They know how the plane system works. They know how to make repairs. They understand the way the physics work around the plane. So I've got a pilot like that. And then I've got a pilot over here who knows how to fly planes but knows nothing about them. Like planes could be sorcery for all they're concerned are you trying to tell me that the second pilot is a better choice? Are, are you trying to tell me that, well, if we hire this other pilot, like he might try to make a repair and that's not his job or, you know, we would assume that the first pilot, all other things being equal, is going to be more valuable. Maybe they might need to make an emergency repair from time to time, but we would think that at least they would be a better pilot with that knowledge and they would be better communicators with the other people they have to work with they would be better communicators with the field mechanics they would be better communicators with people who design airplanes or or who are making modifications to their plane they would have a point of reference for what other people are going through and be a more effective bridge if nothing else right this other person who has no idea past their own world is not going to be able to provide that value. In fact, they might be very difficult to work with because they don't have any of that knowledge. Or, you know, again, think about a CEO who has never worked in your industry before. Is that an advantage? There's an old Dilbert comic where they uh, say, we decided to hire a CEO who has never worked in our industry because we wanted a CEO who doesn't know what can't be done, you know, and, and that was the joke, right? Of course you want CEOs to have experience in your industry. If if, if you're hiring a CEO for a bank and you've got one CEO who really understands what it's like to work in a bank and how a bank runs and what the different job roles do and what they're responsible for. And then you've got another CEO who knows nothing about banking. You know, money is just a mystery to them. Are you trying to tell me the second CEO is a better choice? Like, of course not. Right. That's ridiculous. Or what if you had a software developer and they wanted to develop leadership skills or they wanted to develop coaching skills or develop their people skills, are you going to tell them not to do that because, well, they might start telling people what to do or they might start coaching outside their realm of expertise or what? You would never do that, right? A software developer who cultivated people and leadership skills is an asset. Knowledge is better than ignorance. You would never hold that person back because they might, you know, try to tell someone what to do or maybe misuse their knowledge. So, Let's just get that out of the way, right? It is not a liability for your scrum masters to have technical knowledge. That is a very strange position and it would never work anywhere else. So now let's get into the more nuanced issue, though, of do they need it in order to be effective? Does a scrum master need technical knowledge? And I want to give you a few tools to, to think about that issue. One thing that I want to say out of the gates is that technical knowledge does not equal coding knowledge. I noticed a lot of scrum masters saying that when we were discussing this issue, like, well, I don't know how to code or you want me to go learn how to code. Look, the fact that you think that coding is what your developer team's job is all about is evidence that you need more of a technical background than you have in order to really understand and communicate to them. Coding is not the largest part of producing software. Coding is something your developers do. It's something they do a lot of. But that is just one small subsection when we're talking about what it means to have technical knowledge. A lot of your developers spend their time thinking. And what are they thinking about? They're thinking about how to solve problems with software. They're thinking about patterns. They're thinking about architecture. They're thinking about your systems. They're thinking about your tech stack. If you have no point of reference for any of that, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to coach into that situation. Does that mean you have to know every last detail about those technologies? Of course not. And it sure doesn't mean you need to write code. But the fact that you think that having a technical background means you can write code means you need to learn more about technology. It it means you need to be more curious. You need to take a higher level view of it. Everyone on a scrum team should have some level of technical knowledge. But technical knowledge means patterns and architecture and systems. It means all kinds of things above and beyond, like the ability to you know, write a repository pattern. Of course, a scrum master doesn't necessarily need to know how to do that. I would also throw out that having knowledge in a particular domain doesn't mean that you're as good at it or as much of an expert at it as the people who are actively working within that domain. For example, most CEOs know some things about finance and they know some things about accounting, but they're not accountants. Nor could they do an accountant's job necessarily, but they know some things about it because it's relevant. It's, it's part of the domain in which they work, right? They have to be able to have conversations. They're not the CFO, but they have to know what's going on in that world, at least at a high level. They need to be able to speak the language to a certain extent, right? If you look at the world of athletic coaches, most athletic coaches cannot play the game or do the sport as well as the people that they coach. Most of them can't. Some of them never could, even in their heyday. But they understand the way the game is played. They understand tactics. They understand strategy. They look at other teams and see what teams need to do to win in that game, even if they themselves couldn't do it, right? They understand what's required. They have that language. They have that domain knowledge. So when we talk about a scrum master having technical knowledge, you don't need to, to jump off the high dive and be like, well, I guess I need to be a software developer. You don't. You, you don't have to know near as much about technology as your software developers do. But that doesn't mean you're okay knowing nothing, right? Again, it comes back to, what does it mean to have technical knowledge? There's all kinds of things that you can understand at a high level if you're curious and you put the time in. The other thing I, wanna, I want you to think about is, even if you're like, look, it's not my job to help my teams technically, I help them with agility. Well, when it comes to software teams, your agility is greatly influenced by technological considerations. It's not just your workflow processes. It's not just your events, I'm sorry. When you're a software development team, the design patterns that you choose affect your agility. Some of the platforms that you choose and systems architectures affect your agility. Continuous deployment affects your agility whether you have a culture of ops or not affects your agility. Did you understand anything I just said? If not, then you need to start getting curious about it. That doesn't mean you need to go out and become an expert in all those things right away, but if you're going to be coaching your teams and your organization to greater agility, there is a strong technical component to that. And if everything I just said sounded like gibberish to you, you are very limited in how far you can help your teams go in terms of increasing your agility. You're going to hit a wall. That doesn't mean you have no value. It doesn't mean you can't improve their agility. It's just, it's going to be a limiting factor. You can only take them so far because a lot of software development agility has technical considerations and technical components to it. So is technology the most important part of being a scrum master? Of course not. Do you have to be an expert? No, of course not. Do you have to be able to write code? Of course not. But I really want you to think long and hard about what the scrum master accountability entails or what coaching a software development team entails. It's not an entry-level position and I really don't say this with the intent of upsetting anyone or trying to gatekeep or trying to exclude people who want to get into these professions or get into agile coaching or get into a a full-time scrum master role. I don't mean to discourage anybody but I want to make it clear Those are not entry-level functions. Those are not entry-level roles. You can't waltz up to a corporation and say, I'd like to be your CEO. I've never done it before. I don't really know how finance works. I don't know how your industries work. I don't know how to run a business, but I've got good people skills, so I think I would be good at it. CEO is not an entry-level position. You gotta learn stuff, right? You can't just waltz in and take it. Being a developer lead, like somebody can't just walk in off the street and say, hey, I don't know how to code. I don't know how to create software. I don't know how to do anything with data, but I've got good management skills. I'm very inspiring. I would like to be your developer lead. You you can't do that, right? It's not an entry-level position. You You would expect a person coming in at the developer lead to have a certain level of knowledge, right? A certain level of skill that probably comes from their own experience, at least to some extent, right? The Scrum Master accountability is the same way. It's not designed for you just to be able to walk off the street and be great at it. It's not an entry-level thing. It's a leadership position. And just like any other leadership position, you have to learn stuff, right? You have to become qualified to be able to do those things. So on the one hand, I do very much side with the camp that says that Scrum Masters need a level of technical expertise or technical background or technical knowledge in order to be truly great, to be truly as effective as they could be. There's so many technical considerations revolving around the pursuit of agility and being able to speak that language and help the team brainstorm problems in that space is really going to increase your effectiveness by leaps and bounds. Again, you don't have to be able to write code. You don't have to be a technical expert. But if you... can. Participate in those discussions, you're going to be really limited into how much agility you can actually help your team to grow into. So that's my take on it. And I know that can sound daunting. I would encourage you, if you are a scrum master without any technical background or technical knowledge, not to shy away from it. Look for opportunities to grow in that, even if it's just asking questions of your developers. Begin to learn what these terms mean, learn why these discussions are important. Learn the difference between a monolithic and a microservices architecture and why you would choose one over the other. That doesn't mean you have to be able to build one, but when we're trying to figure out which way to go, that has impact on your agility and what agility is going to look like for your team. Learn about different kinds of architectural patterns. Learn about the stresses and strains of deployment, right? And what it takes to get software out the door. Because if you can speak into these domains, the more you can speak into them, the more you can help your team develop an agility, which is your job. And so it's just a matter of learning more things that will make you better at your job. I highly encourage you to do it. Is tech the centerpiece of what it means to be a good scrum master? It is not, but you can't ignore it if you are truly coaching software development teams. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Agile Bites. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.